This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Well, let's bow a moment in prayer as we approach the word. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the privilege that we have to come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to lift up our voices in prayer and song and praise and worship and honor unto you. Thank you again tonight for your precious holy written word. And thank you again for the great mighty one, the Holy Spirit, whom thou hast sent to indwell us and to be our teacher and guide. And we trust him tonight to unveil the word of God unto our spirits. We pray for all of us that we'll be doers of the word, not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to begin to read with the uh, 50, with the 16th verse of the first chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. And we'll read down through the end of the chapter. Here Paul said, See, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Then I want you to turn to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. And we're going to start reading here with the 14th verse. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ with passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power 
that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Hallelujah. Now these two prayers are Paul's prayers for the church at Ephesus, for believers. But these prayers of Paul can apply to you because they're spirit-given and spirit-anointed prayers. They're given by the Spirit. Paul is writing under the inspiration and unction of the Holy Ghost. So they're given by the Spirit of God. You can pray these prayers for yourself. Wherever Paul says you, he said, I pray that you or ye, we don't say ye, thee and thou today, you in other words. Wherever he said you, you can put me in there, yourself. Amen. Notice again here in, the, in this opening in Ephesians 3, for this cause I bow my knees. Well, we can just put myself, ourselves in there and say, I bow my knees. Unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of my Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me now see, Paul said that he would grant you, or ye or you, but that he would grant me according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart. Hallelujah, by faith. Paul in his prayer said that Christ, writing to the church at Ephesus, may, may dwell in your heart. I can remember the last church that I pastored 1946 through 1949, and in the uh, winter of 1947-48, I just uh, did a lot of extra praying. And I, I kept my Bible, our Parsons is right next door to the church, and I kept my Bible lying on the altar bench. We had an altar bench here in front of the platform, open to these two, two openings here. And every opportunity I got, I, I, I must have prayed these prayers over and over for myself a thousand times, probably more than that. Because you see, if, if this is given by the Holy Ghost and it never loses his inspiration. Amen. Amen. And, and so, uh, I, you know, I'd go on about my pastoral duties and whatever else I had to do. But every opportunity I had, I'd just go and kneel. I'd bow my knees. Paul said, here I bow my knees. And I'd say, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd say to him, I'm praying these two prayers for myself. And I must have done that, as I said, over and over and over and over again, sometimes several times a day. Well, after I'd done that for several weeks, you know, for several weeks, I couldn't tell any difference. But after I'd done that for several weeks, now you'll notice here that one thing he's praying for in this very first prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, that means unto me as I prayed it, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Another translation said the eyes of your spirit being enlightened. And so, after a number of weeks, and I don't know, like I said, how many times, I didn't keep count of them, that I'd prayed these prayers for myself, revelations began to come. 
I'm talking about revelation in line with the word of God. Until I said to my wife, you know, uh, what in the world have I been preaching? You know, and I'd been in the ministry for 14 years. And, uh, but, but in six months' time, praying these prayers for myself, in six months' time, just by revelation, not reading any other book except the Bible. Now, I did look up, you know, getting messages ready, you know, and so on and so forth, did some research. But I, I, I received so much revelation in six months' time from the Word of God. That's what he's talking about, revelation of the knowledge of Him until it just seemed like I was a brand new person. And I said to my wife, what in the world have I been preaching? Seemed like just what I'd been preaching didn't amount to too much. And, uh, and, and so then one day I was praying there around the altar and the Lord said, I'm going to take you on to uh, revelations and visions. And that came as a result of praying these prayers thousands of times for myself. Revelations like myself kept coming, winter 47, 48, 49. And then in 50, the vision started coming. There's two, three years about them coming. And from uh, uh, 1950 through 1959, the Lord Jesus himself appeared to me eight different times. And three out of the eight, he talked to me for as long as an hour and a half and brought further revelation concerning the word of God. And so... Uh, uh, one, one revelation, though, that the Spirit of God brought to me was concerning the authority of the believer. And that's the reason he wanted you to get this revelation. Now, notice in Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the twelfth verse, it said, For we wrestle not against the rulers of the darkness of this world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know it said. But it said we do wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places, or the margin said in the heavenlies. You see, we need to realize though that, we, though, that though we may be wrestling against these things, yet we have authority through Christ over them. This authority is not the property of just a select few. Sometimes somebody thinks, well, you know, they, uh, they, they, they are a minister or they're an evangelist, or they're a pastor, or that person some great mighty saint of God. But you know, they don't have any more authority than you have. Amen. Amen. This authority is the true possession of every child of God. Amen. Belongs to every one of us. Now notice Ephesians, the first chapter and the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, American Revised Version says, with every, instead of saying all, every spiritual blessing, all or every interchangeable. In, in other words, in Christ, all spiritual blessings belongs to us. Amen. Amen. Now notice, go back here to this uh, a little farther down. We're there in the third verse of that first chapter of Ephesians. But now go back again to the prayer that Paul prayed to, for this church at Ephesus. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now notice, in the knowledge of him. I think we could paraphrase that like this. In the knowledge of being, the, uh, the knowledge of being in him. 
Amen. Because you see, blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all or every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You see, this is our promise. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, you stop and think about that a little bit. You know, we look on certain people and we think, well, they're especially blessed of God. Uh, you, you don't find that in the scripture anywhere. He said here that he's blessed us. Paul, when he said us, that meant Paul and the church at Ephesus. And it belongs to the church in Tulsa or the church wherever you are or wherever you're from. That, uh, that nobody's got a corner on it, you see. Nobody's blessed beyond it. Now, now, some folks may know about it and be enjoying it where others don't. But in reality, no one is blessed beyond someone else. We need to know what belongs to us. But just knowledge isn't enough. Knowledge acted upon brings results. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Authority belongs to all the children of God. Now the devil doesn't want the people of God to find out what belongs to them. So he obscures the knowledge or the truth because he endeavors to defeat the child of God and he knows that the child of God, when they know their authority and they know what belongs to them, the devil knows that they'll enjoy victory over him. Amen. So that's the reason he tries to obscure this knowledge and keep it from people. That when the child of God knows the truth and has gained the knowledge and acts upon it, the child of God is no longer dominated by the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The child of God will enjoy the reality that rightfully belongs to him. Now notice John the 8th chapter of the 32nd verse, Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now it isn't just that the truth will make you free, it's knowing the truth. And I'll say also acting on that truth that makes you free. Now let's notice in Luke the 10th chapter, the 19th verse. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now I want you to notice that in this, I read King James translation, that the word power is used twice in this verse. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The word power is used twice there. But there are two different Greek words that are used here. They're not the same word. Jesus actually said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You see, uh, this Greek word first is translated power. Here, if you look it up in the Greek concordance, also means authority. And really, it would be better there. It would be better there if it had translated that authority because you'll understand your authority. Because you see, if you keep the word power there, people think, well, I've got the power. You know, I've got to, and then they sort of shake themselves and said, well, I don't feel any power. Well, it's just sort of like this. Did you, did you, you ever drive down, you know, about uh, time people are getting off from work, you know, somewhere, and, and uh, 
lights have gone out or something, there's a policeman there directing the traffic. And he'll have folks to come this way for a while. Then he'll just hold up his hand and everybody will stop. Well, now he don't have the power to hold those cars back. <laughs> All of them. He don't have that kind of strength, but he's got the authority to do it. And we recognize that authority and we honor that authority. I mean, I just to come in the other day, you know, out here to school and they was doing some work over here on 61st where the, the, the freeway's coming through there. And because some trucks was crossing it, well, there's a fellow there, stopped me, you see. Well, I, I, honor, I honored that, I stopped. Everybody stopped behind me. Well, that little frail fella couldn't hold back all of those cars if they'd wanted to go. He didn't have the power, but he's got the authority. And I recognize the authority. You know the devil recognizes authority? Amen. He recognizes authority? Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Praise God. I remember reading from Smith Wigglesworth. I remember the first time I read it years and years ago, way back, I think, uh, uh, well, maybe about 1938, and I first got a hold of the book, Ever Increasing Faith. Wigglesworth was an Englishman, lived there in England, and he's, he was there in, in London on one occasion, and he came out of a house, well, actually, he's standing on the corner waiting for a, a bus, what he's doing, as we would call him, a bus. And, uh, and a lady came out of an apartment house close by, and he said, there's a little old dog, just doing these little bitty dogs, little feist dogs, we call them sometimes, coming along behind her, you know, uh, uh, you know, just rubbing up against her ankles, you know, and she said, now, honey, you're going to have to go back. You can't go. And he just rubbed up against her ankles, you know, and he, she said, now, dear, you can't go. And about that time, the bus drove up. And he said, she stomped her foot and said, get and that dog, you know, tucked his tail between his legs and took off. Wigglesworth said, without thinking, I shouted right out loud, that's the way you've got to do the devil. Yeah. Amen. Recognize your authority. Amen. And just tell him to get. Praise God forevermore. Can you say amen? Amen. In other words, stand your ground. I remember 1942. We as pastor down in East Texas... 1942 and 1943 and this incident happened over in the first part winter 1943 and, and uh, I, I didn't say anything to anybody about it never even mentioned it to my wife but night after night in the night time I would awaken with some of the most alarming heart symptoms and I had been you know with a heart condition in time past and, and I was just standing against it you know in the name of Jesus and so on and, and so one night then I, I uh, uh, oh, sometimes for an hour at a time in the nighttime, I just stand against every symptom. And so I drifted off back to sleep. And in my sleep, I dreamed another minister and I were walking, you know, like across a, a stadium, a ball field, you know, or an arena, a parade grounds. We were just walking along talking, you know. And suddenly he jumped and said, look, and I turned around and looked, and two ferocious lions. I mean, they were coming after us just a snarling, their fangs are showing, you know, and growling. And we both just took off and running. <laughs> and then I just stopped dead still, and I said to him, we, uh, you know, they'll get us before we, we can't get out. We can't get to the fence fast enough and get over into the, the stands. We, uh, and, I, and he kept a run, and I turned around and faced him. And instead of running from them, I walked towards them. 
And when they got about to where I was, I just stopped dead still and I spoke to them. In my dream, I spoke to them. I said, now you can't harm me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. And they just sort of sniffed around my pants like, like a little dog, you know, and turned around and frolicked off. And I woke up. And I said, that's it, that's it. See, I stood my ground. The devil came as a roaring lion. And you know what? Every symptom left me never to return. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Because, you see, I recognized my authority and stood my ground. A lot of folks, when it comes to the devil, sort of like a minister said to me, I was, I was preaching a convention for one of our full gospel, our Pentecostal denominations a number of years ago, a, a, a district convention. And I was one of the main speakers, not the only one, but one of the main speakers. And, and, and so uh, one of the ministers said to me, I'd held him at a meeting in his church, you see. And he said to me, well, praise God, Brother Hagin, I got the devil on the run. I said, praise the Lord. He said, the trouble is though I'm running, he's after me. <laughs> well, now that's not using your authority. Amen. That's not standing your ground. You know too many times that's the case. Instead of us putting him on the run, he's got us on the run. Well, he don't have me on the run and he shouldn't have you on the run. And when you know the truth, praise God. Now, why could that policeman just stop that traffic by holding up his hand? Has he got the strength to stop all of those cars? Has he got the strength or the power, in other words, to, to hold them all back? No, he's got the authority. But where did he get that authority? It was delegated to him. Authority is delegated power. Amen. Say that out loud. Authority is delegated power. Amen. Now look at Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the tenth verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now notice that. This scripture does not say to be strong in yourself. See, you quote that verse or give that verse to someone who may be having some problems or something, and they'll say, well, I'm trying to be strong. Never said a word about you trying to be strong. Never said a word about you being strong in your strength or in your power or in yourself. Notice, it said, be strong in the Lord. Now, why can you be strong in the Lord? Because he's delegated authority to you. It's in him. It's in him. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amen. Be strong in the Lord. You see, the value of authority depends upon the force behind the user. Now, the value of authority, like that police, we go back to that illustration. He just holds up his hand and stops all the traffic. The value of his authority depends on the force that's behind him. And we know something about that, all the laws behind him. Well, now you get out there, just, just you know, yourself, and no, no badge, no, no authority, and hold up your hand and see how many listen to you. <laughs> Amen. Jesus said, let's go back now to Luke 10, 19, with that in mind. Jesus said, I give unto you Instead of power, now let's use the word authority there because that is the meaning of this Greek word. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, is he literally talking about snakes, scorpions? No, no, no. He's just using them as a type. 
Because notice he said, I give you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So he's called in serpents and scorpions power of the enemy, isn't he? See, he's talking about devils, demons, and evil spirits. I give you authority. He, in other words, God himself is the force behind the authority. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The believer who is thoroughly conscious of the divine power behind him and of his own authority can face the enemy without fear or without hesitancy. Can you say amen? Amen. Now notice 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now notice that. Who is the them that he's talking about that you've overcome? This applies to every believer. Well, read the first three verses and you'll find out that he's talking about demons and evil spirits. Now, why does he say you've overcome them? Notice he doesn't say you're going to overcome them. Well, I'm trying to. No, believe what the Bible said and take your authority. He said you have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. In the first place, he that's in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, indwelling you through the person and power of the Holy Spirit, he's already overcome all of them. And he gives you the authority. See, to tread on serpents and scorpions, scorpions or serpents, and over all the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. You see, power on earth invested in the name of Jesus Christ and obtained by him through his overcoming the enemy belongs unto the church. Therefore, exercise that authority for it belongs to you on the earth and in this life you shall reign by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now look at Matthew the 28th chapter and the 18th verse. Matthew chapter 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now again, this word here is the same word that's translated elsewhere, authority in the New Testament. can be translated. And it would be a better translation. In other words, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. This Greek word, as I said, translated here means authority. Now, notice this, that the Lord Jesus immediately transferred that authority to the church. He is head, we are the body. The authority has to be activated through the body which is on earth. Amen. And to tell you the real truth about it, that's the only authority that Christ has on this earth is through his body. Now he's the head and you're the, you're, we are the body. The Bible uses the human body as an illustration of the body of Christ. How much authority in this world and on this earth can your head exercise apart from your body? None whatsoever. 
If you think it can, just cut your head off and see what your head can do. <laughs> amen. I said amen. Let's look at some more scripture. Again there in Ephesians 1.22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. We've never grasped that yet like we should. Let's read that again. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now you see folks look at that and said, well, it's all under Jesus' feet. They're thinking about Jesus, the man. But notice he said, he gave him to be the head. You got any feet in your head? No, he's talking about the feet he's talking about here in the church, in the body. Because he gave him to be head over all things to the church. Notice Ephesians 1.20, that's 1.22, notice 1.20. Which he wrought in Christ, when did he do this? Which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now notice Ephesians chapter two, verse five and six. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that's not something that he's going to do. He's already done it. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. That's the place of authority, you know. Do you know anything about it? Right hand denotes the place of authority. Amen. Notice, and we're seated with him. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Now, we, let's read further here in Ephesians 2. We'll, we'll, we'll back up there again, start with verse one and then read a little further. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our manner of life or conduct, in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace we are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together. Hallelujah. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that all has to do with Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ Jesus. Verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now notice especially the words in the 
first chapter, the 19th verse of the first chapter, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Notice that expression. The exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. In other words, there's such a putting forth of the divine omnipotence of God's power through Jesus in raising him from the dead that this is actually the mightiest working of God. All principalities, all powers, mights, and dominions, and every name that's mentioned in this world and in the ages to come have endeavored to defeat the plan of God. But Christ arose. Hallelujah. And he ascended and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Satan's powers have been baffled and overthrown by our Lord Jesus Christ. He has been been enthroned far above them, ruling with the authority of the Most High. The source of authority is found in this resurrection and seating of Christ by God. Now notice that he speaks of the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. He's speaking so that the eyes of the church might be open. The eyes of all churches. God wants us to know what happened. He wanted us to know that he set Christ far above all principality and power, and might, and dominion, Ephesians 1.21. This fact is overlooked by so many churches. It is a fact. Amen. It's overlooked by so many Christians. The Spirit of God prayed through the Apostle Paul so that the church of Ephesus would see it. He prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they may see this. But God desires that we too, we believers, that we too should have wisdom and revelation. Now thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ with its revelation of obedience to God. Thank God for atonement for sin and crushing defeat of foes shows us that a representative man because Christ was our representative he was a representative overcoming for mankind he was preparing a throne and a heavenly ministry for those who would overcome through him now we observe in connection with this identification of Christ's people with himself in this crisis of resurrection in the very first verse of chapter two and hath quickened you who were dead in trespassions and hath quickened us together with him. Now I want you to notice this in that second chapter. Look at it again. And you, King James translated, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, did you notice that the word hath he quickened is italicized, those three words? 
You understand this, that any time you find words in the King James Version that italicize, that means that they were not in the original New Testament. They're not in the Greek. Just read that and leave them out. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. You who were dead in trespasses and sins. A better way to express it might be like this. And you when you were dead in trespasses and sins. Now the reason I want to make this so clear is that the verb that really controls this passage is in the 20th verse of the first chapter. Remember Paul didn't write a letter to the Ephesians in chapter and verses. When you get here in the second chapter, you're, he's still talking about continuation of the first chapter. So now then go back to the first chapter and let's read the 19th and 20th verses again. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now here's what he's saying according to the working of the strength of his might when he raised him from the dead and you when you were dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see the same verse which expresses the reviving of Christ expresses the reviving of his people. In other words, the act of God which raised Christ from the dead also raised his body. Amen. In the mind of God, when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. Amen. Look again at Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ and raised us up together. Hallelujah. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now you see, this passage talks about the conferring of this authority. Notice that the head and the body are naturally raised together. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.